So, welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod, episode 29. So, is this our first one of the year? No, our positive news came out just into the new ah, year yes, rather than beforehand. You're right. And but, we are a bit of a week late. Yeah, it has been slightly delayed because of uh, you having COVID. I've had bloody COVID. Thought we've got past that. I know. I can't believe it. It's absolutely wiped me out for the last week or so, and I'm still recovering, so I'm still going to sound a bit um, a bit nasally, so apologies for that. And I was doing my best to avoid you, because I didn't want it. No. Um, but we are now we are now back. We are back first, and raring to go. I guess it's the first like proper episode, because the last one was a uh, almost like a round-up, and we're yeah. back to our normal species episode today, Yeah. Um, which is going to be... The turtle dove. It's actually a species I've had on our list to do um, for quite a while, and it kept getting bumped back because we had other ideas. But then I saw a news article, and it sort of reminded me that I wanted to chat about them. So I'm quite excited about talking uh, or about turtle dove today. Yeah, it is one we've wanted to do for a, a while, and I think it's a really, really important one. You'll find out, obviously, why it's so important. But also, I think it's one because... I don't know how many of you out there have actually seen a turtle dove. I haven't. I haven't seen one, and we're going to go on to the reasons I why. almost saw one. Like I was in an area where it had been seen, and they yeah. were known to be a, a, a specific tree that they were known to sort of uh, frequently visit, but sadly, we did not actually manage to see one on that day, and yeah, I've not seen one yet. No, me neither. So uh, yeah, I think this is a really important episode. Yeah, it should be good fun. Um, just quickly, any catch-up? Well, what I mean, apart from the fact I've had COVID, um, I had a little bit of excitement at Arundel Wetland Centre over the last week or two because a lone bittern has arrived. And annoyingly, lots of people have seen it, taken pictures of it. I keep seeing on my Instagram feed, oh, the bittern at Arundel. And um, I've been struck down by COVID, but did manage to get there on, oh, God, today was Friday of last week. And it was like Piccadilly Circus. They always like, couldn't even get in the hide. All the they were queuing up for people trying to see the bit. And so, unfortunately, I never did see it. But lovely the fact that it's actually there and uh, is it photographic there? evidence. I'm not sure whether it is still there now. Um, I haven't caught up with the latest news. And um, But, yeah, amazing that it's there. Yeah, I didn't know whether you you still had a chance to, to get there. Yeah, they had it, all sorts of pictures of it sliding around on the ice on in the reed beds and stuff. Oh, so, so cool. uh, yeah, some amazing pictures, annoyingly, because I didn't get one. It always happens. There was a little, like a really little one-hide sort of thing, nature reserve, not far from where I lived in Bangor. And I think probably last October, well, 2022, not 2023, an osprey appeared. And suddenly, I like the number of people that flocked this tiny little nature. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just a hot spot because all the twitchers just appear yeah. waiting to see the osprey. Sadly, obviously, I was down in Southampton, so I was a long way away from it. But yeah, people do. Um, it's amazing how far people will travel. To, yeah, to see no, a well, I mean, bird. it's exciting to see uh, or to hear about. Anyway, not to see, but um, so yeah, that's about it, really. Um, COVID has done me for any kind of catch up. But, but, you know, going ahead, you'll, you'll get back out there now. I uh, can't wait. Cool. I mean, I don't have any catch-up. You never have any catch-up. This is your segment. I, uh, yeah. I, well, yeah. I just work and... Yeah. It would it, really. be quite rude if you did have any more. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that to you. So in that case, shall we just jump well, straight Let's in? crack on. Right. Do you, you want, want me to... Yeah, you, you go. Because right, this was one off. that you particularly would 
Yeah, we're interested in doing. Yeah. So, okay. Um, cool. So, like I said right at the start, we're going to be talking about the turtle dove, which unsurprisingly belongs to the group or the family that is called pigeons and doves, which is obviously a very surprising fact. Uh, that family is called Columbidae. If never sure if I'm pronouncing these properly but that is the the family of birds that includes pigeons and doves what was actually quite interesting and i don't know whether you um actually know it's turned into a little bit of a quiz do you know what the difference between a pigeon and a dove is oh that's a really good question ah oh um no but i'm hoping you're going to tell me well it's a bit of a trick question to be honest because there's actually no real taxonomical weight to the term pigeon or dove oh, okay. so there isn't actually really any difference like the family of pigeons and doves are there's, there's yeah you can't really say oh a pigeon is x y and z and a dove is whatever typically we give the name doves to the smaller pigeons normally yeah. yeah but there isn't actually any proper distinction and a little like example for this the stock dove is more closely related to the wood pigeon than it is the collared dove or the turtle dove yeah. so it isn't like a little taxonomical and taxonomy being the science of naming things or classifying them is, is probably what i should have said um yeah so it's a little bit of a trick question but it's interesting because i always i to be honest always assumed there would be like i don't know maybe doves have a slimmer beak and whatever yeah but no, no that's, but, a, that's a that's a good shout that one yes the turtle dove i believe is the smallest of the doves so the uk's native dove anyway i think it's the smallest of the european doves oh i've got it here the turtle dove is the uk's smallest native dove and the only migratory dove in europe yes uh, yeah I've anyway that, but... sorry i've jumped in that's okay it was an interesting fact it was wasn't yeah. it so yeah no real difference between pigeons and doves and just as a little bit of backstory to the family um columbidae uh or, or the sort of group of turtle doves anyway there are five other species of turtle dove living around the world and there are 350 species of dove and pigeons or of in that oh, family okay. so it's a relatively big family um, interestingly, 17 species have sadly already faced extinction because of humans. Obviously, the most notable one being the dodo, which yeah. was essentially just a massive pigeon. I didn't know that. Yeah, I part of the same that family. That was part of the same family. So that was a columbidae. Colum- columbidae. Yeah. Colum- yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, relatively large family, 350 species. We've already... a big pigeon. It is a big pigeon. I think it's like <laughs> three to five feet or something. Yeah. Um, we've already wiped out 17 species. And as you'll hear today, the turtle dove is struggling. Um, scientific name Streptopelia turtur. Yeah, and I believe the turtur refers to how it sounds. That's how it got its name, the turtle dove, because it does sort of tur tur. Which I think is quite a nice yeah. impression from you. To Thank be you. That wasn't bad, was it? No, it's good. Um, and just I don't know. Say maybe people haven't seen one. Just as a slight. Uh, put in context of the other UK birds, it's slightly larger than a blackbird. Um, wingspan of about. 47 to 53 centimetres, uh, and they live for about two years. They're actually a very pretty They bird, are gorgeous. Beautiful plumage. Which is, I think, funny, the fact that, like I've obviously just covered, there's no real distinction between doves and pigeons, and yet I think people would automatically say doves are typically quite cute, Yeah, uh, like, say, pretty. Yeah. And I think most people have a less, uh, I guess, a less um, pleasant view of pigeons because we typically see... Actually, pigeons, if you see the plumage of a beautiful. pigeon, they are stunning. They um, are beautiful. Um, yeah, maybe maybe you you might not have seen them in the UK because um, their population peaked around it was about 1970 and they were estimated about 125,000 pairs, um, and their range extended into southwest England, uh, eastern Wales, as far as Lancashire, northeast England, and onto the Scottish borders. But 
the population since has completely crashed. And Which is obviously pretty why much, they're featuring on this episode. Yeah, they're pretty much restricted now to the southern part, uh, southeastern part of England. Um, so, you know, that may be why now they're obviously not such a, a visible species now. I think it was... 99 percent yeah decline I mean, between 1967 and 2020 and that's pretty dramatic yeah like, to be fair i had this fact for our um for yeah. when we get into yeah. the threats but i mean i believe they are the uk's fastest declining yeah. bird species they are actually threatened now with global extinction as well which is uh pretty bad but before we delve into all the doom and gloom a few other little little facts to to get you into the species. Obviously, you've mentioned that they are um, a migratory bird, yeah. and so they arrive in the UK in spring, normally around sort of April, uh, and so they come here to breed. Uh, whereas they head back to Africa for for the winter. It's some journey as well, it apparently, is quite a distance. Um, and I think you mentioned obviously they're the only long distance migratory dove species. Yeah, actually, in um, I've got in a Europe, fact, that is, yeah, I've probably. got a little fact here that in 2014 the RSPB caught a turtle dove in a Suffolk garden and they tagged it with a satellite tag and they called this turtle dove Titan. Um, and the dove returned again in the summer of 2015 and with a whole load of really good info on this satellite tagging. And thanks to Titan, um, they found out that uh, turtle doves migrate largely at night. Oh, that's interesting. Covering up to 700 kilometres in one flight. But that's interesting because um, I don't think I would have, you know, I wouldn't have associated a pigeons or doves no. as necessarily being like a big nocturnal flight. No, absolutely. And they're flying at speeds of around 60 kilometres an hour. Um, and then they, what they do is they migrate to Mali, which is pretty much uh, West Africa. Yeah. Um, and then Titan then came back to Suffolk to the actual garden where it was caught. Oh, that tank. is cool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. So they've got loads of really good info about the, their migratory patterns and... Um, Oh, uh, good old Titan. Yeah, 700 kilometres in one night. Yeah, that is quite That's a, amazing, quite a distance. Um, I've got a little little fact here that I want to see whether you could... Well, a little, like, did you know question. So they eat almost exclusively seeds. Yeah. Now, do you know what the term for a seed eater is? So if you've got carnivore, herbivore... Oh, do you know what? I read it. Do you know what a seed eater is? I did read this, and I can't remember because I'm old. <laughs> I can't remember things that I read four hours ago. Uh, no, tell me. It's a granivore. Oh, that's it. Which I'm going to assume is sort of coming from the word like grain. Yeah. Uh, but they are. Granivore. Yeah, that's they a are. Great, that's a great word. An obligate granivore, meaning yeah. that they essentially only eat um, eat seeds. But yeah, I hadn't actually heard the term granivore before, and I thought it was quite a good word. Um, and yeah, so obviously we've mentioned they come over here to, to breed. They they typically like woodlands, but they're also sort of adapted now to suburban areas, farmlands and heathlands. Anywhere that's got some sort of scrubby hedgerows yeah, is what they, they really like to nest in. Yeah, and they, they sort of eat seeds and feed on the ground in sort of weedy areas yeah. after the after the harvest and after in stubble. It's almost like that sort of weedy hedgerow scrubland yeah. that, that often nowadays borders a farmland, which yeah. is And that's a pretty good like. hint as to why they've declined. Yes. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. Um, I've got another, I went on a bit of a tangent, if I'm perfectly honest, yeah. when I was researching this. So I didn't, I, I, I say I didn't know, it rang a bell, so it must have been covered at some point at university. Have you heard of pigeon milk? I have never heard of pigeon milk. So it's actually um, called crop milk, but I think it was when in pigeons, they call it pigeon milk. Interestingly, turtle doves, along with some other um, birds within this group, 
will feed their young something called pigeon milk. And it's a regurgitated milky substance from a food storage organ called the crop, which is why it's not yeah. called the crop milk. And it's actually... Uh, in its composition, not that dissimilar to mammalian milk. Wow. So it's essentially, yeah, they store food and then there's like a bit of weird like cell sloughing in there, but it creates essentially a milk which they feed their young. Wow. High in protein. Never heard of that before. High in fats. And the um, the young that get fed it typically do a lot better because it's, it's, a, it's a really useful like um, mass builder, I guess, for the That's little amazing. chips. And the last little thing, because I did go on a tangent, but it could take up way too much time, is um is also observed in emperor penguins and some flamingos, which means that this trait in birds has evolved separately several times. So it must be quite well for obvious reasons. There's quite a big evolutionary benefit. That's, a, that's a great bit birds of info. essentially like feeding their young milk, wow. which we always think of as a never heard of that thing. before. So yeah, and that, just it's called crop milk. And it comes from a thin-walled sac-like food storage chamber that projects outward from under the esophagus. Brilliant bit of research. Yeah. So there you go. I like that. Right. So that's the intro, I reckon. Done. Well, you say that. Or maybe it's not. You know, I do a little bit about the culture and and a little bit of historical stuff. And the turtle dove is... Apart from obviously being a Christmas song. ...famously associated with romance. They pair, they mate and they pair for life. So they're associated with faith and, you know, um, uh, love and fidelity. Um, And... They have been featured in art and culture for thousands of years. Shakespeare wrote about them. Chaucer wrote about them. Edgar Allan Poe wrote about them. Loads of associations in um, music. Uh, Musicians Annie Lennox, Barry Manilow, David Gray, Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Madonna have all worked the turtle dove into their music. Cliff Richard was one. Did I mention that? Um, and, of course, the most famous musical reference is the Christmas song, yeah. of course. Um, but also, ancient, in ancient Greece, turtle doves were believed to pull the chariot of Aphrodite, goddess of love. Um, the Romans, well, I've got something about the Romans there. I want to know, actually, for Aphrodite's <clears throat> chariot, was that loads of little turtle doves? It was like one massive one. It was probably the dodo, if you <laughs> Truth be known, but you know what Dodo pulled chariot. <clears throat> How cool would terrifying. that be? So yes, lots of really cool references, and uh, but what I really like about it is they are known for their love, romance, and fidelity. That's that how nice. they're. That's the association of a turtle dove. Although I guess if it's only living two years, they're only really being loyal for two years. Oh, you just really <laughs> ruined that now, haven't you? No, it's still lovely. But they still pair for life. They do, yeah. even though that life is short. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so uh, I'm done with a little bit of cultural stuff because you've kind of just stopped. No, me not at all. <laughs> okay, right. Right. So what are we on to now? So it's probably time to move on to the the, the less enjoyable part where we talk about the, the reasons for their yeah. very steep decline. Um, obviously, I threw out the fact earlier that the UK's fastest declining bird species, and you mentioned that it sort of uh, kicked off around the 1970s, uh, and that decline is still. Sort of yeah, continuing, and I think again you mentioned that it is recorded to be about a ninety-nine percent decrease. It's absolutely in dramatic their, um, yeah. breeding population. I think that ninety-nine percent figure comes from uh, nineteen sixty-seven up until twenty twenty, when yeah. that was recorded. Um, and it is predicted that unless this um, decrease is halted relatively uh, urgently, not too surprisingly, they could be extinct from the UK within the next two decades. Which even that's given them more time than I think is necessarily yeah. um, likely. 
And so there's there's a quite a variety of threats to turtle doves, but the three sort of big hitters are um, hunting, degradation of habitats, and that's degradation of habitats both where they want to breed here in the UK and where they overwinter in Africa, and also uh, diseases. So yeah. I've got sort of the three yeah. three main ones. Um, I don't know which one you wanted to start with. I, I had down to start with habitat degradation because it's a very familiar one for it's our podcast. It's down to yeah, agricultural change in agricultural practices has been a huge thing because, as we mentioned earlier on, they their favourite food when they come over to to breed and to feed in the uh, summer is on the sort of weeds and the seeds uh, that are found on the edge of farmland and um, as we've mentioned a lot of times pesticides and insecticides and all of those things have pretty much cleaned up those edges of the farmland yeah so it has really limited their food sources limited their food sources and another factor also is the reduction in those sort of scrubby thicket hedgerows where they love to nest and obviously be safe from predation so we've cleared an awful lot of those as well so even nesting and um, breeding has become a really tricky yeah, in, thing so. interestingly actually is along with this habitat degradation is they're actually having fewer eggs Ah, okay. Um, so there's been a few studies to show that. So normally, turtle dove pairs have a clutch of two eggs, yeah. I believe. Yes, that's right. Um, whereas in more recent uh, times, and, and studies have shown that they're actually only rearing a single clutch um, rather than the normal two. And they're not entirely sure why. They think it's potentially maybe because of the food shortage means that they're not yeah. thinking maybe they haven't got the energy it's or the It's a lack of supply. seed and grain yeah. during the breeding season. But obviously that means that even when they are breeding here, they're having half as many yeah. chicks, which is always going to then contribute to a rather rapidly declining population, especially on an animal that's not that long-lived. Yeah. Um, so essentially it means the population is going to keep halving because they're having uh, yeah half the number of chicks that they should be having. Um, which isn't great. You also, you mentioned obviously the impact of like pesticides. There's also just changes in what we're growing as yes. well. And, and even the varieties of, of we're growing and also how we harvest the crops. So all of these agricultural changes is just resulting in, in a much, I think you said, a much tidier landscape. Yes, that's what we've done. And yeah. yeah, we've talked about this a lot on reasons why curlews have declined and uh, and we've mentioned it so many times and those changes in agricultural practices that intense farming that change to the use of the land has had a pretty dramatic effect on all sorts of wildlife and but in particular this species of bird and it's so serious now um yeah and i mean obviously the the sad thing for the turtle dove is that they're sort of being hit on both fronts because obviously that's all happening over here in the UK and we, we're supposed to be yeah. providing their vital breeding habitats. Over in Africa, as the human populations increase and as urbanisation increases, you're actually seeing a lot of this, this scrubland that they like to live on being drained and essentially being turned into cropland. Yeah. Where, and so they're losing that overwintering habitat as well, especially as just the urban areas sort of continue to encroach on the wilder patches. Yes, so, I've also read that... Um... Uh, obviously with climate change there's been much more severe droughts in africa and although i did read which was fascinating is that the turtle dove is very tolerant to high heat oh, okay and is has been recorded feeding and being out in heat of 45 degrees but 
what they can't tolerate is a lack of water for very long because a they have a very dry food source don't yeah, they? it does that and also it 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 restricts their ability to make that migratory journey yeah, back yeah that makes sense as um, well so all of those that combination of all of these factors are having a huge effect on this bird yeah, so it's really being hit on quite a lot of fronts. And we've only really covered one of yeah. the main threats being... So it's, it's sort of one slash two is the habitat degradation that is also including a food shortage. So the, the, the changes in habitat and the degradation means that they haven't got breeding sites, they haven't got overwintering sites, and we're not growing the sort of yeah. stuff that they want to eat. Now, what I thought we'd lean, uh, lead into there is hunting, because I've actually, just before we get into the horrendous numbers of the number uh, of turtle doves that are hunted it's also linked to a slight food shortage because obviously here in the uk we release and i do have the number somewhere maybe um oh pheasants we we release 40 million yeah. pheasants pheasants and partridges and, every year yeah. for hunting purposes yeah. and pheasants are a direct competitor for the type of food that the turtle dove wants to eat so whereas the food is also already short you're then releasing 40 yeah. million birds that are then going to go and clear up what even is there uh, to begin with and so there are actually some other issues with with pheasant releasing that i've got later on but for the food shortage you know we do it for a hunting purpose and they eat all the food that the turtle dove wants so Yes, I, did, I think we did a little thing about that in one of our episodes about apparently that's sport and fun, but we won't go into that now because it makes my blood boil. Yes, so. <laughs> but to continue boiling your blood, sadly, turtle doves themselves have been hunted rather ferociously. It's a, it's a, it's a staggering number and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. What number have you got? That I've got... Every year as they go on their migration over the med... Back to Africa. I've got two to four million yeah, two birds. Two to four million and birds. And bear in mind, these are the the birds that are hunted legally. Yeah. Uh, is two to four million. There is also believed to be quite a lot of unregulated illegal hunting in their uh, wintering grounds in Africa. So it's... Yeah, we, Morocco we, as well is another Yeah, place. so we only have the numbers for yeah. the legal ones. But even that, two to four million, is a, is a staggering I mean, I, 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 we've known, we've always known that that happens and it's not just turtle doves that get shot. It's a huge number of different species of birds that get shot on their migratory travels. And it, that does make my blood boil in this day and age. Uh, how can that still be happening? Yeah, like, just shoot clay pigeons. Or I mean, like that. you know, in in hundred years ago, they did it because of for food. They, you know, it was a delicacy. It was a cultural thing. Now, apparently, it's just sport and fun. Honestly, which I mean, we'll go into uh, after we've covered all the threats. We'll go into the good stuff, and there is a lot of work being done around. <clears throat> there is good stuff so as ever. We yeah. will be able to update that with um with yeah. some good news towards the end of yeah. the episode. But it is. Because this leads into the, the, the fact that the idea of so many birds that are already facing extinction, so this is a threatened species. Yeah, it's just not sustainable. No, and bearing in mind that the decline has been since the 1970s, yeah. so it's not like they're only just declining. And the shooting, I say we'll go into when the, some bands have come into uh, action recently, but for the last few decades, a bird that's been seen to decline has been hunted. You think of that, two extent. to four million birds yeah it's a massive amount and you know over here there are less than 200 breeding pairs in sussex two i think there's only i can't remember what's the most recent is it 2000 breeding pairs two to four million yeah are getting shot 
And yet we are down to, say, in Sussex, just 200 breeding pairs in Sussex. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, if you listen to any of our species episodes, you're, we're always going to talk about farming practices, changes in land yeah. use. But I don't think we've had a, an animal that's been hunted quite so... No. Um, to quite such the same extent. So in 1970, there were 125,000 pairs in this country. And we're down to about 2,000. Yeah. yeah. So unless you have anything else on hunting, I no. have some interesting facts about a disease. Yes, I saw that. You carry on because you know, you're the scientist. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm a disease scientist. I'm also not a scientist anymore. But so it's another issue that's obviously uh, impacting turtle dove population. And the main one being uh, a protozoan uh, parasite. And I'm going to butcher this scientific name, but it's Trichomonas gallinae. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Essentially, it causes like a throat uh, problem. And and people, I don't know, I mean, it's not a cancer, but it creates like that, almost like a tumour, like a big growth in, in the throats. Um, it impacts both uh, adult and nesting birds. Uh, it's actually normally very prevalent in things like green finches. Do you know, funny enough, I've just done a post on my Instagram page today because we've got green finches in our garden and I've just done a post about one of the reasons why the green finch is still on the red list is it's been hit by this particular parasitic disease, which sort of stops them being able to feed yeah. and eat properly. They've got like almost like essentially a yeah. swollen throat. So they very, can't very prevalent in green finches. Yeah. And I made the point today on my Instagram page, and I'm gonna do it now as we've, you know, opened this discussion, is clean your bird feeders. If you've got green finches in your garden, keep your uh, your bird feeders really, I mean, really clean. Anyway. It's good practice Especially anyway. With things like bird flu and everything else going around. I it's clean mine. Practice. I've got to I'll be perfectly honest, I clean mine at least every two or three days. I clean all my Same bird with, feeders. Same um, with bird baths yeah, as well. Absolutely. Like you don't want stagnant, horrible yeah. water. Anyway, um, so but, it's the same It is the same parasitic disease. Yeah, so it's, it's quite prevalent in, in um, a variety of birds, but green yeah. finches seem to have been hit very hard by it. But it's also something that's impacting um, turtle doves. Yeah. And another, this is where I said the pheasants were going to come back into it. Pheasants are believed to be um, a potential vector for this disease. So I don't think they are necessarily impacted by it, but they can carry it. Right. And again, if you're releasing 40 million yeah, of them out into the birds, countryside, it? suddenly it can be quite a, quite a, a good way to spread a disease uh, throughout bird population. So it's one of those things where like this disease is a natural disease. You know, it's... Um, it's just a, essentially a protozoan parasite. And in a normal time, it almost acts as like a population control. You know, there are things that out there that, that control uh, populations naturally, whether predators or diseases. So normally it would be fine. And it, it, it's not necessarily bad. And there's always going to be diseases in nature. But as soon as you have a population that's struggling for other reasons, humans normally, suddenly that that disease becomes a real problem because where it would normally just keep populations in check, it's now wiping out what little we still have. Yeah, um, it's and, sort of getting battered on all sides yeah. at the moment, this bird, isn't it? And like I've said not that long ago in this podcast, obviously normally we're looking at an animal that's getting battered by climate change and land use, and then this one you can throw in disease and yeah. hunting. It's no wonder Well, and also you can throw been... in um competition from collared doves because collared doves is a species that's actually on the increase yeah, and, you see them everywhere nowadays and there again there's speculation that there's competition for food and nesting sites and all of those things and they're coming under threat from from competition as well so it, it's having a tough time it really is and so unless you've got any other threats or bad stuff no, i think that's quite enough isn't it i think it's probably about time we talk about the good things 
There's a, there are good things. There are indeed. I've got some nice, yeah, nice you little can facts. Crack on. I've cracked on a lot. Do you, you want to kick this one off? Well, the major one, of course, the main one is one called Operation Turtle Dove. And this was started in uh, May of 2012. It's a partnership of four organisations, um, RSPB, uh, an, organisation, an organisation called Conservation Grade, Pensthorpe Conservation Trust and Natural England. And they got together um, realising the plight of the turtle dove was so uh was dramatic. so dramatic that something had to be done um and they've got together to basically um to try and educate and get landowners and farmers to change their land use initially um to provide the right habitat and food sources for turtle doves they did a thing earlier on where they were uh were Dropping, doing food drops of the food that turtle doves like to eat to see if that would make a, um, you know, a sort of short-term uh, increase. Give them a bit of help, a lifeline, Give them really. a bit of a leg up. Um, but actually what's happened now is that they have been working really hard with farmers and landowners, um, and it is it is paying off. They've I think I've got a stat here, actually. Um they're, this year they're celebrating a record year of effort since the project began in 2012 with over 260 farm holdings covering 68,500 hectares and a further 107 land managers who have been helping to create the perfect conditions for turtle doves alongside a whole host of really dedicated um, volunteers it's led to the creation of 620 foraging and supplementary feeding sites um, and a figure this figure has doubled in 2023 from 2022 so there's a huge amount of work being done I think in the right way of trying to change yeah. and create this land perfect management is land management and I think that is Obviously, that is the key. These people know what they're doing. Yeah, so. we're seeing it across um, all sorts of organisations, whether it's uh, the RSPB, Woodland Trust, uh, all of the typically typical environmental charities are out there working with farmers and landowners to try and bring back a bit of the wild to the yeah. landscape. And normally, as, we, as we've said it before, it normally benefits the uh, farmers and landowners in some way as well because it creates a more healthy ecosystem it regenerates soil yes, because it just sorts. biodiversity yeah. in general just increases from the insect life from all of that and all of that is beneficial so. yeah so i think i i found you know what when we say land management what they're trying to do is drive this idea of a bit of restoration and creation of the the breeding habitat yeah. so they want nice thick thorny scrub and hedgerows as well as plenty of the flower and weed seeds yeah. that we've mentioned. Allowing those weeds to actually just grow instead of actually, yeah. you know, to, to killing them with, with chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. And so it ends up being, like they almost call them turtle dove friendly zones, yeah. which they're trying to create, especially in the eastern and southeastern England, where, you know, we have little pockets of turtle dove populations yeah. and give them that, uh, that help. And to be fair, it's even things that you can do in, in your own garden, uh, having a, a nice healthy hedgerow, as well as ponds and wildflower lawns. Obviously, wildflowers, quite a lot of them would be classified as a weed. Yeah. And they will obviously then drop their seeds. Obviously, we've mentioned it in quite a few episodes. And even our very first episode, if you want to go all the way back to before we had nice fancy mics, we spoke about how you can rewild your garden. Yeah. And making sure there are wildflowers and not killing every weed in the garden 
again can create little pockets of uh, food, uh, little pockets of uh, food and habitat that will help out turtle doves. But Operation Turtle Dove, I mean, part of that's got a cracking name. Uh, they're doing brilliant work. I think, yeah, you've you've rattled off quite a few stats. They're working with three hundred and seventy farmers in twenty twenty three alone. Um, and I think 2023 alone, again, they uh, managed to provide 230 hectares of suitable feeding habitat, which is about 323 football pitches of prime turtle dove habitat. Yeah, so there's, a, there's an enormous amount of work being done. Whether it's too late, they've got to hope not, because, as we've said a lot of times, nature, you know, if you leave nature to do its thing, it will, it will do its thing and it will help um, struggling species if we allow it to, so... Um, hopefully, you know, we, what I can't give you at the moment is any stats as to, as, as to whether there's been an increase. Yeah. In... Or it wouldn't be, it would be a slowing <clears throat> of the decrease rather than an increase. Yes, and it's going away. to take a long time, but hopefully it will slow down the decline and then plateau and then go, the yeah. graph will go up the other way. Obviously, so. yeah, the, the slight challenge and, and sad thing about turtle doves being that obviously I've, i mentioned that with the lack of food source and habitat they're only having one egg but even in prime time they're only having two eggs yeah. so it's, it's a, it takes a long time yes. for them to come back because they're essentially just replacing their parents rather than they're not laying like four to five eggs so it's going to be very difficult to get back to you know pre-disaster numbers yeah. of, of turtle doves but you have to start have to start somewhere you have to start and it's somewhere. another yeah. fantastic example of an organisation truly dedicated to a yeah. single species. And like you said, volunteers are out there monitoring numbers. and There's and all always sorts of stuff. volunteers that are there to help, and I love that so much. And obviously we teased it when we spoke about the horrible hunting. Uh, so it's time to talk about the, the slightly Yes, and this is a good things. bit of news, so, isn't it? You, you do this one. There has actually <clears> been a direct halt, a complete ban in turtle dove hunting in France, Spain and Portugal yeah. in 2021, in 2022 and in 2023 which is estimated to have already saved 3 million yeah. turtle doves. Hopefully, so at least one year of um, hunting ban in t- being in 2024 is still believed to be requested by the European Commission. I don't know how up-to-date the webpage I was using was, so I don't know whether that's actually happened yet, but they were pushing for at least one more ban in 2024. And on top of those three, now hopefully four years of um, banned hunting, Hunting will only be allowed to resume when there is significant evidence of population recovery, which, like I said before, the idea of hunting to, to conservationists in general might be um, something that people don't like to talk about. But normally it's uh, like the unsustainable levels of hunting. Yeah. So the, you can't have any sustainable level of hunting when a species is declining rapidly and on the brink of extinction. And so the idea that they've been hunted for the last five 10, 15 years when they've already been in decline is, apart from that, it's absolute madness. It's nice to know that they all need to be able to provide evidence that the population has recovered before the hunting can It would have been nice to have banned it exclusively, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would also be nice to have done it 20 years ago. But and, of course, what they can't monitor is obviously that still a lot of illegal hunting goes on, but I guess that will be on such a much smaller scale but um yeah i think the the document i was reading because of the the three maybe four years of banning and this this caveat that we've got to see a population increase before hunting can be resumed the idea is they're hoping that hunting will never reach that unsustainable level again but it's difficult because you know pre pre the massive decline the hunting may or may not have been um, sustainable, but it probably wasn't facing the, the turtle dove wasn't facing so many so many other pressures, 
And yeah. so now the idea of reaching sustainable hunting when they're also having to battle land use, because we talk about all the good things happening, but it takes time. It takes yes. a lot of time. Yeah. And so even when hunting resumes or even when the population starts to increase, you have to bear in mind that they are still going to be challenged by disease and climate change and land use changes and urbanisation. So what, yeah. what would be nice is, you know, at some stage on a future podcast that we will do, we'll be able to actually give you some actually, you know, turtle dove populations in the UK have increased by 5% in the yeah. last 12 months. As soon as we get that information... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. It <laughs> See you in a few it years. might be a couple of years' time, but, you know, fingers crossed we'll yeah. be able to bring you that information because at the moment we can't give you that information. But well, suffice it. to say there's a huge amount of work being done, and it's not just in this country either. There's um, Because obviously the, it's, it's as these birds go across Europe and, and the Mediterranean countries. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously had to be a, a joint... Uh, decision and collaboration to ban yeah. it in Spain, Portugal, yeah, and absolutely. France, and they are three of the bigger <clears throat> hunting countries. But there are, you know, in in the Netherlands, in Germany, in France, there are organisations and operation um, like Operation Turtle Dove projects being uh, being monitored and being implemented yeah, in I those think... countries as well. So that, uh, it's obviously a a, a a global awareness now that this bird is like the dodo, going to be extinct unless we do something about it. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of those countries um, are part of what's called the European Turtle Dove Action Plan, uh, which I think started... Well, it started in 2015, but it officially launched in 2018. um, And it's it's a bit like a... Almost like a wider scale of um, Operation Turtle Dove because it's across Europe. But it's, again, it's I think more than 220 experts and they are addressing the hunting issue and they're also working to create good quality habitats and yeah. all that sort of land management that we've spoken about in the UK but across the European countries as well because, all right, they fly a huge distance in a single night but they're going to have to stop off for food and, yeah. and everything. So they need that habitat across their entire journey. Interesting, though, that they... You know, obviously they've discovered that they fly at night. Perhaps they should all fly at night, and then no one's going to shoot yeah. them, are they? Because they're never going to be able to see them, are it's they? Have so to be undercover. They, they need dubs. to get together and say, "Hey, guys, I flew over at yeah. midnight. No, not a gunshot to be heard. You should try it. <laughs> Give it a try." To guys. be fair, I mean that is the sort of adaptation you could maybe well, see from maybe, yeah. but it would require a, a lot more time. Yeah, and uh, we don't have yeah. that amount of time. Yeah, forty odd years because, is not yeah, fifty odd example, years is not enough time. If only the turtle doves who flew at night, if that was a genetic trait, they were the only ones who made it to the UK, and they gave birth to offspring that therefore only fly at night. We'd maybe end up with nocturnal turtle doves. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's a very good point, <laughs> which would be interesting. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's another another example of the fact that people everywhere are working hard to try and. Yeah, try I can't and save also um, let this little section go without mentioning the Nepi state, if you wouldn't mind. Of course, indulging. I love it. I've been there. On it's that. fantastic. The Nepa State. For those of you who don't know about it, it was a, a dairy farm, big uh, farm um, that had been run by a family for generations down here at, in Sussex. Here, and um, it's not actually too far from us, really. Is twenty it? minutes up the road, and they made a big decision back in two thousand, two thousand and one, to stop dairy farming and to just go wild. And big rewilding project. Massive rewilding project. One of the biggest in, and most successful, actually, in the whole of the UK. Um, and when they were farming, they had absolutely no turtle doves on their land whatsoever. Since they've... I could talk about Nepestate all I mean, day you're long. you're reading a whole book about it, aren't you? I'm reading a book which I'll mention in a minute. 
um, since they've gone wild, since they've got grazing wild animals like pigs and uh, cattle, um, they now, I think, one of the few places in the whole of the country that turtle dove population is actually increasing. Oh, so um, we, look, we, you're already, we've already made it. We've so got to a point where we can say... They've gone from none uh, to 16 singing males in 2017. And there are all sorts of suggestions as to why. Obviously, they've allowed a lot of their land to go into scrubby thickets and hedgerows and where they love, the turtle doves love to nest. They feel safe. Um, a lot of those perennial and biennial weeds have turned up on their land and that's their that's absolute food optimum food source. And there are suggestions also that the wild pigs rooting about in the undergrowth germinating seeds that are in the ground weed seeds and things like that are producing the ideal habitat for turtle doves yeah because so, they've got wild pigs to essentially replicate the uh, behavior of what would have been wild boar absolutely. back when we had wild boar and the pigs i've got a little sentence here which is better if i read it rather than say it. the pigs disturbance of the soil provides the same opportunities that plowing did in the age before herbicides and points to the ecological role that the wild boar may have played before agriculture. I mean, I'd love to have wild boar roaming yeah. around our, our landscape. And it's been hugely, hugely successful, an f- unbelievable project. If you get a chance, read the book Wilding. It's written by Isabella Tree, who's one of the owners of, uh, of the Nep estate. You can actually camp there as well. Yeah, and there's chapter, I believe it's chapter 12, talks all about the success of the turtle dove. It's a fantastic but- book. It's a fantastic example of what can be done can be done and what nature will do if you allow it to. but what's brilliant is you know we would obviously never sit here and say every farmer should give up farming no, and no, every no. wild because obviously we still need to produce uh crops for to yeah. eat but it shows the impact of if every farmer rewilded the borderland of their fields yes. or let small areas or half of one field or all sorts of little things that are happening now with all like schemes and uh, subsidies to do so what impact that could have just well, they, by letting again, little pockets. You know, we did a whole article about nightingales and the fact that uh, the nightingale habitat, the scrubby uh, thickets and, and scrubland that they love, um, is one of the reasons why they've declined. Nightingale population in the Nepa state has gone absolutely mad. I mean, you can go listen to our nightingale episode. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah, anyway, read the book Wilding by Isabella Tree. It's a fantastic read. Trust me. And they have turtle doves, one of the yeah. few places in the country that has uh, an increase in turtle dove population. Which is fantastic. So that tells shows, you quite a few yeah, things. It shows the it? impact of letting nature reclaim yeah. a little bit of land. So positives. We like to end on a positive, and there's some real positives. It's going to take a lot of time, as we said earlier on. It's not going to be an overnight. The work is starting. Well, yeah. It has been going on for It's for not going to be an overnight um, massive increase in turtle dove population, but it may save the turtle dove yeah, and that's I mean, the main even thing. the stat that the hunting ban has saved three million of them yeah that's huge the isn't it three million more having eggs is is it's huge. absolutely huge um, so i wish they'd ban the whole thing but that's never going to happen time. i guess but um but there we go yeah. so yeah that's the turtle dove i reckon and it's still a bird i have never seen yeah me neither i, I think i will try again i've got a friend who knows a patch in the new forest like i said that they are known to i don't know whether they nest there but they certainly visit there and um we we didn't manage it a few years ago, but I would love to see one. Well, obviously, I've got to go and camp out of the Nepa State. Yeah, I? 
Oh, well, I just go to the next day, actually. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Yeah, they've got 16 singing males. Well, I had 16 singing males in 2017. Sound. Yeah, apparently so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I think we may have covered the yeah, turtle dove. That will it's be the beautiful, dove. beautiful looking bird, even and though I haven't seen one. And uh, Everyone needs to now go away and ask their friends, what is the difference between a dove and a pigeon? And then tell, laugh at them when they don't know. Yes. You can tell them that there isn't actually any difference. Yeah. And, and did they know that dodo was a pigeon? And did you know that pigeons produce milk? <laughs> well, turtle dust too, anyway. Yeah. But thank you very much for listening. Yeah, I hope um, you enjoyed that. And um, it was good, good to get back on a species-specific, yeah. wasn't it? We and like those. Just, you know, bear with me when I do the typical podcaster influencer bit. Please do, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a little rating over on Spotify or Apple. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We'll leave our Instagrams in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in contact, say hi, send us your photos of a turtle dove, just drop us a message on Instagram. It'd be fantastic. You sound like one of those financial things that we have to yeah, do. T's and C's apply. <laughs> conditions yeah. at the end. And they talk really fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's just got to be done and we never do. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. But thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.